Welcome to R&R Showtime with Robert and Ryan. And today we'll be giving our top 10 list for the Oscar Best Picture nominees of 2021, technically. It's for the year of, of movies 2021 taking place in 2022. Right. Um, yeah, so there's really not much to say as far as an introduction uh, other than uh, maybe the comment that this is a subjective list of just movies on the, the list of the 10 movies, which ones we think in order are the best for whatever reasons. Yeah. Uh, so this is not necessarily objective, um, but we may give our comments on what we objectively think would actually win towards uh, the end. Yeah. And we may. Yeah. Yeah. So and the thing with this list is these are all good to great movies, except for one, in my opinion. But. We'll get to that. Like, so ranking these movies, like even the ones that fall lower are probably are probably still good movies that we are going to probably recommend. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to say it again, but yeah, pretty much all these movies are good movies. The ones at the bottom are not bad. Yeah. Except maybe one. Yeah. So speaking of that one, um, let's get this started uh, with my number 10 is uh don't look up directed by adam mckay starring uh leonardo dicaprio i'll let you know my number 10 is also don't look up so we can just talk about it mutually here okay yeah so this movie if for anyone who listened to our top 10 movies of the year may have already heard me briefly address this movie and that i think it's a bad movie like i don't even think this movie is good personally I found the movie entertaining. However, on this list of movies, this is not even really in contention for a best picture. Yeah, it sticks out like a sore thumb. It's weird that it's here. I I don't know. My only assumption is that there must not have been a 10th movie that they could have thrown in there. But they did not need to nominate 10. I guess I guess that's right. Yeah, they're, they're, I don't understand. It, it's really a minimum why. of five up to ten, depending on what gets a lot of votes. Ryan, if you have some understanding of how the nominations work, do you have an idea why they nominated it? Probably because there are people like that wanted to nominate the movie filled with a bunch of famous people to get all these famous people to come to the Oscars. OK, well, yeah, I guess so. That's almost certainly got to be it then. Yeah. And the movie has a good message. Here's the thing about Don't Look Up. It, it, it is it is preaching a, um, a message about how we're doing nothing about climate change. And it's kind of ridiculous how nobody's listening to science and all that stuff. And, and it weirdly has a more even prescient um, second meaning of the whole pandemic as well. But it really just feels like, and I've heard this comment many times, but it feels like an SNL sketch that just went on too long. (laughs) That's that's a funny way to describe it. And I find that to be accurate, which is kind of why, again, like that's why I say I found it entertaining. It does feel like an SNL sketch that goes on too long. uh, And that's okay. But I guess maybe that the point is that it goes on too long. Like you make your point and then make it over and over again. And really you're just beating that point to a, a pulp. But then as you have said, um, the real thing is that, but offers no solution. It's just like, everything's fucked. Yeah. The, well, yeah, we don't want to, we don't want to spoil the movie in case people have not watched it and want to watch it. 
but I, I'm, I'm very much not a fan of the ending. And the fact that this movie is over two hours is baffling. Like, why? There is no reason for the entire subplot involving Kate Blanchett to be in this movie whatsoever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Just whatever. So don't look up number 10. There's that. We'll All right. Move on. Do you want to move on to your number nine? We will move on to my number nine. Uh, and my number nine, this was easily, and again, not because it's bad, but easily like one of my lowest ones. Like as I watched it, I knew before I even watched it, I was like, this is not going to be a bad movie, but it's certainly not going to be like a movie I care about that much. King Richard, right? Starring Will Smith, basically a, you know, somewhat a story about, uh, it's a biopic about the father of Venus and Serena Williams. Yeah, and and essentially about them. But here's what I understood. I was like, why do they make it about him? I was like, well, because Venus and Serena Williams have been in the public spotlight since they were kids. Like, we're watching the literal events of them being publicly known. So, like, their story is, like, already been written, like, publicly, it, putting in a movie. So I think it gives a better perspective on watching how they were founded and highlighting I, that like their father was a huge part in that. Yeah, I I think the reason that it's centered around the father also probably is something that maybe cuz I don't know the history behind this movie, but I assume that maybe Venus and Serena wanted maybe wanted the movie to like give honor to pay homage and honor to their father who like while not always being like the best father like kind of came up with a plan for these girls and it worked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it shows that he is a flawed man, but he clearly did love them. Yeah. Like this movie does not like, you know, make any, make it any less that he loved them and had a plan and, and worked, you know, very hard for them to have the best life they could. And for all of his daughters, apparently, um, which I didn't realize that all of his daughters were also super su successful. Um, but the thing is, it's like this, this movie, again, it's, it's basically good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like a sports biopic movie. So it, it's weird for it to be nominated best picture. Yeah. It's, it's basically good. I just find that it's not that great. Like it's, it's not something that's necessarily best picture. I don't think like, like Will Smith does a good job, but I don't think he does like a best actor kind of job. And I don't think it, this, this is like a best picture kind of movie. So. Um, you brought it up. Will Smith is nominated for best actor for this movie, as well as uh, Anjanou Ellis is uh, who plays the mom is nominated for best supporting actress. I don't know if either of them would win, but I personally think it's fine that they were nominated. Yeah, it's not. It's just, you know, I again, the movie's fine. I just don't hold it very highly or anything. It's It's just a good, solid movie, but it's certainly not amongst these other movies that have more depth or are telling in some ways and more compelling stories. Cause again, it's not like this isn't, there aren't compelling portions of the story. It, you know, we're, we're seeing like how they came from literally living in Compton and, you know, having, a, having a lot of things stacked against them to succeed, but persevering through that. So it's a, it's a cool story and, and inspiring in some ways, but it's just like, it's also kind of just a, uh, it's a story we've seen before almost, you know? I, yeah, I can see that. And so because of that, it's just not, it, there's nothing really like new for me to feel here. Um, so, and maybe, Hey, and so I'm not African-American, so I don't connect specifically with uh, this story. Yeah. And the, so I'll be the, frank about that. Like I, you know, I can't, I can recognize the plight of others, but I cannot specifically understand that. So maybe it doesn't speak to me as much. 
Um, but yeah. All right. Nine. My number nine is uh, a movie that this is again. I think this is a good movie. I think this is, I think this is quite a good movie. In fact, but I did find it unusual that it got nominated for best picture. My number nine is nightmare alley uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro starring Bradley Cooper. And this movie is an interesting one. It's, I believe it's a sort of remake of like a much older movie following a similar plot. And it takes place in a, like a, like in a sort of turn of the century. I'm actually not sure exactly where it is placed time wise, but it's back in the time starts at a freak show and then follows another plot. And the movie is certainly very visually appealing. Um, and I think Bradley Cooper does a really good job. However, the directions that it goes in the movie feel somewhat contrived and they sort of telegraph how the movie's going to end. And I, for me, it was very easy to see how the movie was going to come to a conclusion. And so like, there's just little, it's just those little details about the movie that maybe for made it like not shine as much for me, but I've heard that this is a sort of movie where you either love it or it doesn't, where it doesn't, really sit as well with you. Um, so I could see a person really enjoying this movie for the things that are well done about it. Uh, but yeah, it's just something about it just feels off. <laughs> Understandable. So uh, why don't you give us your number eight? All right. My number eight is a uh, Dune, which I believe is, one of my hotter takes that the further, the further I get away from having seen the movie Dune, the less positive things I have to remember about it because it just feels like it ended halfway through a story. In fact, it feels like it ended a third of the way through the story. As many people have noted that the movie only gets you about a third of the way through the book. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like this big grand spectacle that amounts to nothing. But the way that it was crafted and the way that it was made was really exceptional. And I'm excited to see how it ends. I just I, I'm feeling very embittered by the fact that this movie is getting all this recognition for setting up something without having finished. It, it would be like if Fellowship of the Ring got best picture and then Two Towers and Return of the King came out and they weren't good. Yeah, Um I so my or if those movies were never even made like they just give Fellowship of the Ring an Oscar and nothing ever ha happens from it. My number eight is also Dune. Um, and I specifically leaving the theater said had the same sentiment. Uh, I was literally like, yeah, this feels like an unfinished movie. feels like you made a first in a series of movies, except I've heard that comparison to Fellowship of the Ring before, except Fellowship of the Ring has a nice end. It certainly is setting you up for the continuation, but we come to sort of a closing place. Dune does not. Yeah. It, it just is like, all right, if you want to see how this goes, come back for the next movie in a couple of years. Yeah, it's we just... we haven't even started making it. Fellowship of the Ring, you had one year to wait but with the next movie because they were working on them all at once. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Dune is big. It's a spectacle, but it, it very much reminds me of Blade Runner 2077 or 20, whatever, whatever the number is on that one. 
Um, which, which was also directed by Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Big, epic, you know, soundtrack is this, that. I mean, the, they have very, there are a lot of similarities, except that their Blade Runner actually has a complete story um, and Dune does not. So that's why I do. But, you know, there's things about Dune that are appealing. Um, it is big and epic and, and something about that is impressive. And so that's why it makes it a little higher than, you know, King Richard for me. Um, but it, yeah, same things you're saying there. I'm sure this movie will win best cinematography and some like visual effects or stuff, but like as a, as a movie, it's not a full story. Yeah. Um, now I'll roll in my number seven because you had just talked about it. Also nightmare alley or ah. not, not also, but, uh, nightmare alley was my yeah. nine. Yeah. Uh, so now nightmare alley, right before I watched it. Ryan was like, oh, hey, this is the kind of thing you'd like, right? I, I like kind of that that uh, 1940s, yeah, 50s aesthetic. I knew you would enjoy the aesthetic of it. Yeah, but very much in the same line with your comments. I was watching it and, you know, trying to pick up on the deeper theme and stuff, but I feel like the story was just taking too long to get to where it was going. And then once it got where it was going, I was like, okay, I see what you're doing. And I saw like little part. I saw like a lot of different, like almost very apparent foreshadowing. Which was like, it wasn't like well done to say. Like, it was so apparent that I was like, okay, clearly this is symbolic for this. And clearly this is that. There are parts that are so clearly foreshadowing and symbolic for other things. And then other parts where I had to, I, I afterwards, I was like, okay, I want to understand this better because maybe it's going over my head and I'm not understanding it. And in a, you know, one of the, uh, like a video thesis I saw, uh, which a lot of people do for movies like this said that like this movie is is based on like one saying by Carl Jung about like it when you don't accept you know like some deep part of you it like rules you subconsciously and so talking about how the main character's denial of some you know like in uh, thing deep within him actually forces him to do all these things throughout the movie i'm like okay i get it once i see all this but i'm like that's not conveyed in a way that i think many people are going to understand without literally having a you know, like some kind of theater, like a person that has the right mind to dissect it and understand it exactly like that. Yeah. Um, and because of that, I'm like, it movies like that, while it's, it's cool and artistic when you make them, I'm like the general, even not just even a general audience, like I'm watching it and trying to figure it out. And if I can't figure it out and I would say maybe I'm, I'm slightly better at that than the general audience, then you're losing even like the, you're only getting literal critics. Like you made a movie just for people that like, are going to try and figure that all out. And I'm like, that's why it just doesn't land as much. Like there's some cool things about it. Cool aesthetic. Um, but Bradley Cooper does a good job. Yeah. Like the actors, I mean, it's, it's star studded too. It's got like a lot of prominent actors in it. You get some Willem Dafoe, another Kate Blanchett appearance on this list. Um, yeah, there, there, there are people to recognize. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just a little too deep, you know, like, I mean, Guillermo del Toro is kind of known for doing movies like that. But like, I think some of the other ones just are uh, delivered better. So, yeah, I, I I wish it was more high fantasy, I guess. It's I guess it's too real for him. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like, like this basically has no like strains. Out. This is very just like a grounded. Yeah. There's no movie. monster in this movie. Yeah. Which there just could have been like they could have just had a monster. Actually, there is a monster. It's just not a person. <laughs> Oh, yeah. There so. are monsters. They're just not people. <laughs> yeah. Or they uh, are people, rather. They are people. They're just not like. They're uh, monstrous people. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So, uh, all right. So your number seven. My number seven is Belfast, which 
as I watched the movie, I was like, this is this is quite a good movie. This movie's well put together. I enjoy it, but it just kind of felt to me to be just sort of moving along without like any sort of like feeling that there was intention behind these series of, of events. But I, I, the whole time I had a feeling of how this movie was going to end. And that was how the movie ended. And the way it gets there is very, it feels, it feels like the movie is telling real events because of how like sort of mismatched and hobbled together they are. And it does feel like it's telling the story of a life and of a snapshot of a time period. But there are parts of the movies that I was more engaged in parts of the movie where I was less engaged. And I also feel like setting this movie in the perspective of a child kind of hinders it in ways where there are things and situations going on that they sort of hint at the details about, but that are sort of lost on me because I don't know the full story of the troubles in Northern Ireland. And so I don't know who certain people are representing and why they're representing it. And I feel like if I need a history lesson to sort of fully understand the context of the movie that I just watched, then it feels like I'm missing on something, but again, well-made. I really like how when they go into the theater in the movie that it brings it back to color and it just feels like a celebration and a love for this city, despite the hard times it went through it. This movie feels like it was made with genuine love. There is a, um, a sequence at the end of the movie. Like that's just sort of this really joyous, like dancing thing. And it's a sad event, but like you, it's one of the more joyous moments of the movie where I was like, okay, this is what I kind of wanted from this movie. This feels like a payoff. And then the movie just sort of shortly ends after that. And yeah, it's, it's a good movie, but yeah, it just feels not, not as good as I would have hoped it could be. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe it's going into my number six and my number Six is Licorice Pizza, uh, directed by uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, starring one of the Heim sisters and the wow. and the son of uh, what's his name, the guy that died. Oh, uh, freaking Hoffman. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah, yep. his son. So, uh, yeah, it, this is a sort of a coming of age movie. It, in a similar vein as to Belfast, which is also a coming of age movie. But this one centers on a, um, a teenage boy who develops a crush on a 20 something woman. And the sort of romantic uh, tension between these two, which I'll admit it's kind of weird that the movie focuses on a romance between an adult woman and a teenage boy. But the way that the movie sort of, telegraphs that this woman's kind of got like a, a stunted adulthood um, where she's not really began her life as an adult at this point. And this kid 
has kind of an accelerated childhood because he was a child star and he had to like help his mom. He sort of behaves more like an adult and has like this like sort of a way that he talks to other adults and they just sort of recognize him as an equal throughout the movie that it sort of makes that relationship feel less weird or makes it feel almost like, yeah, but really this movie is a sequence of things that just happened much like in Belfast, but the things that just happened in this movie all are more entertaining to me and they all feel more linked back to these two main characters than in Belfast. And yeah, I think uh, Bradley Cooper for one is a definite standout in this movie for like one of the little scenes. Uh, Sean Penn comes in as like a little small character. There's all sorts of these little like bits that I think just work together as a better whole than like in comparison Belfast that makes this movie just feel a little more complete and direct. I think, and I think at the end of the day, it's because uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is a better director probably than Kenneth Branagh who directed Belfast, but that maybe this is just my sort of subjective opinion on it. I, I just found this movie to be more entertaining and more complete and fulfilled in what it was trying to get across. I will probably tend to agree. In fact, I'll, I'll say this. So this movie ranked pretty highly. Uh, was it number one on your top 10 list of last year? No, no, it wasn't number one. Right? It was like in my top five though. It was, yeah, it was in your top five. So I think it's interesting that it's your six on this list, but it was your top five on top 10 lists for uh, last year. So that's, uh, that's interesting here, but you know, I actually, to be fair, the next uh, five movies I have, or the next four movies I have their list. I had not seen when I made my other list. <laughs> right, right. Um, but this movie, I think you had a higher opinion of it than I did shortly after seeing it. But me reflecting on it have a, a higher opinion now than maybe uh, like my opinion has improved a little bit in regards, almost comparing it to some of these other movies, kind of how you're making a comparison with Belfast um, and thinking of it as a movie. I, I actually, it improved how I thought of this movie. So yeah, um, I still think it's quite, I still think it's a great movie. Like mm -hmm. to be like, this is, this is for reference. This is the threshold of my list where like Belfast, I think was good, but I wanted more from it. Licorice pizza is the first one where I'm like, this is a great movie. Uh, there's some things th about it that are unusual that make it hard to recommend. N namely this, the central relationship, but I think this is a great movie and going forward. I think all the movies on my list are great to maybe even better than great. Wow. So what's your number six? My number six is, I mean, maybe this is controversial, but uh power of the dog. So power of the dog, deep movie, a lot of stuff going on there. Um, but in some ways, like it loses me. Like there's a few parts of the movie that like are, this is like a kind of a quiet movie in some ways. Like there's just a lot of like scenes where nobody's really talking and we're just seeing like people walk, like go around and move about things. Um, and, and they, I think in some ways there might be, there's like a few, uh, well, I don't want to say there's any wasted scenes here, but there, there are scenes where I'm like just a little, I'm, I'm less engrossed for a moment. And for a movie that's clearly like, I, you know, this is supposed to be capturing my attention making me sort of question and like follow along the story and trying to like understand and connect with these people and discover what's going on. 
Sometimes I'm lost. However, Benedict Cumberbatch, I think he does a great job here. He's nominated um, for Best Actor. Uh, Jesse Plemons and uh, Cody Smith-McPhee are both nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. I and think- Kirsten Dunst is nominated for Best Supporting Actress. I think if any of them win, it might be Cody Smith-McPhee, mm-hmm. who plays uh, Peter, the the son of Kirsten Dunst's character. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'd be happy with any of them winning. Yeah, I I like Kirsten Dunst coming back and being in a in a, an impressive uh, sort of role, um, and so that's kind of nice. Um, Starring along her real her real life uh, uh, partner uh, Jesse Plemons. Oh, really? Yeah, th- isn't that interesting? That is that is actually very interesting. That I did not even know or suspect that. Uh, well, that's that's interesting. Yeah, Jesse Plemons. They're all they're all good. There's a lot of good things about this. Um, it's just, you know, some ways it didn't, can I, I, this is another movie where like, I don't profess to be very good at like always understanding themes, you know, like nightmare alley. It, it kind of went over my head a little bit, had to look into it afterwards to really understand what's going on. This one, the power of the dog is like a reference to a, a single line in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it does say, doesn't it say it in a text at it, the end or at something? the end of the movie, Peter reads it, Peter reads it. Yeah. Um, and I was like, kind of still like what like you know I, I didn't understand the significance you know and again you know is this, is this a movie have you looked up any of the video essays on it yet? i didn't look on, up a video essay on this one i just kind of I, I the thing is like i was like not very interested to to say like i probably should have it might have made the movie deeper maybe i should have rewatched it and checked it out but there's something about it where i was just like eh, the movie is pretty good like I, there's it's clear there's some cool deep theme stuff going on i i do get some of it it's not like it's all completely lost on me but um, uh, some of the depth just doesn't quite hit me. Um, but so that's but I mean it's still solid movie. In fact, I think this one's like objectively probably gonna be, you know, uh, there's about three movies I think actually have a chance at best picture, and this is one of them. So it, it is. It had been the clear front runner, uh, basically until Jane Campion said something that was meant as a joke about um, uh, Venus and Serena Williams that did not come across well. And it came like right the week before Oscar voting happened. So that could have swayed it away from Power of the Dog. And Power of the Dog was kind of my prediction for Best Picture. But now I still think it has a strong chance of winning, but my vote has changed on what I think should win. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that is my, was that my number six or my number five? That was your number six. Mm-hmm. You're moving on to your number five. All right. Uh, my number five is Belfast. Yeah. Which uh, coming out of the movie, I was like surprisingly like, wow, this is a, this, this is just a, a great movie. The young actor is really charming. Um, and how, what I felt is like, this tells a story about a historical event that I have no understanding of and makes me understand it in an emotional way, in a connected way. While having no actual historical backing, like I had to go look it up afterwards to be like, what is this even all about? And and can still connect with it, right? And so I think something about that is impressive to be able to make me care and understand a historical event by depicting it on TV with no outside reference act historically. Like, um, and so I thought that was impressive. A lot of like charming performances here. It's just again, especially the young kid. Like he's probably going to go places. Yeah. Um, and uh, the way that's depicted in black and white, it, you know, is is useful here. There's a lot of like really cool, uh, not cool, but like sort of iconic kind of like moments, scenes 
Um, and yeah, I just enjoyed it. I think it conveyed it's what it was trying to get across pretty well to me. So, yeah. Yeah. Judy Dench was nominated for best supporting actress for this movie. I mean, you know, it's Judy Dench. So, yeah, it's kind of just like that was like probably just a gimme uh, nomination. Right. My favorite part uh, was when she looks directly into the camera and talks at it like she did at the end of Cats. And I was mm-hmm. like, you've done this before. This is just what you do, Judy Dench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think she's going to win it, but I mean, you know. No, I know I know who should win Best Supporting Actress, and uh, we're going to get to it. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, so your number five? Yes, my number five is, and I totally understand why it was much lower on your list, because it is, frankly, just sort of like a heartwarming kind of sports movie. But my number five is King Richard. And the big reason why it's so high on this list is just because if you think about movies as trying to elicit an emotional response in you, King Richard did a really good job of putting a smile on my face, particularly at the end of the movie when we see Venus uh, like going up in this uh, like her first sort of professional outing as a tennis player. And from this, the moment that you see her sort of walk out because she has a certain look about her that is very representative of her culture. And like the, the fact that this movie really does not like tiptoe around like, like racial like dialogues and King Richard in particular played by Will Smith. Like he never dances around the fact that he's a black man and that what he's trying to do is not, like expected of black people to try and be tennis stars, but he has this sort of conviction about him and this love for his family that he's willing to put in this work and like do what he can to try and give them the life that he never had and that his wife never had. And, and, and the wife, uh, Anjanu Ellis portrays the mom character and she's nominated for an award for the movie. And they both are clearly just doing what they can for these girls and it's working and you just feel so happy that like these girls go on to achieve the things they achieve and uh, the girls that they cast for Venus and Serena in particular uh, do a great job like clearly they must be actually playing tennis is the thing so you have to get these girls that are good little child actors but they're also like playing tennis in a way that you believe that this is really good these are really good tennis players mm. You know, here's one thing I just thought of while you're talking. I was like, that, I mean, maybe I didn't know what she could. One other thing is that, so there are some other movies here that, you know, like are, they're not like super deep movies, right? Like they're in a similar kind of thing here, right? Like King Richard's not trying to be like Oscar nominee deep um, with its themes and stuff. Uh, And there's other movies that are like that, where they're not trying to be super deep with their themes. They're just kind of depicting a story and there's a theme along with it. But one thing I think maybe for me robs this movie of being better is that Venus and Serena Williams, we know what happens to them. We So like all of this is like kind of just seeing how that happens. And we are obviously like what we're seeing. Um, it's it's watching that that journey that is, you know, that's it's watching that development that is interesting. But knowing that I'm like, well, yeah, we just know that they end up being like literally giant tennis stars. So. But here's the thing, though, like. 
the big tournament, the big pro tournament at the end of this movie takes mm. place in 1994. I had no concept, like I do not follow sports in general. I definitely don't follow tennis. Mm. So I had no concept that Venus and Serena were like literally playing pro tournaments, like as like barely teenagers, like 15 year old mm. going out playing against full grown adults and holding their own. I was not aware of that because this tournament was taking place the year I was born. Mm. So I don't know the full Venus and Serena story. I've never seen the King Richard guy prior to like in the end credits when yeah. you see clips of them back then. Yeah. Like I sort of missed this entire aspect of who Venus and Serena are. Like I was always like, well, yeah, they're the really good uh, sister tennis players, but I don't. Ha I never had the full context of what that meant and how it took them to get there. Mm -hmm. And knowing that part of their story makes it even more impressive. Yeah, for I me. Mean, and again, like at the end of the movie, I just sort of had this like sort of warm smile on my face. I was like, I felt good for them because it felt like they deserved it. And it felt like they... I, I, and they always had this love for each other that felt so like warm and like just something you to aspire for and i think the movie does a good job of showing that king rich that richard was not always doing the actual best thing for his kids even when he thought it was the best thing for his kids but you can't deny the results <laughs> yep yeah but even venus and serena i feel like have said that they're not raising their kids the way that their parents raised them yeah but they don't have to they don't. They're they're already rich now. So yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So are we on number? F is it my five or is it? Well, have four? you named your five? I don't think I did. No. What is it? What was my number six? Belfast. I'm all out already. Yeah. What's I happening? You, I think uh, you lasted Belfast. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just name whatever my next one. I guess is one, two, three. What's four. your number five? I think it's actually my number four. Yeah, I think it's my number four now. Well, then I think I'm going to my number four because I just gave my number five. OK, yeah, there you go. All right. Well, my number four is a uh, drive my car. A uh, Japanese foreign language film that uh, is over two and a half hours long and ha has this real interesting aspect of it of you think that the movie has already started and this whole sort of plot line goes on for probably about a half hour, I want to say. And then the credits start <laughs> for the movie. And you're like, oh, this is a long movie. And a lot of the dialogue in this movie is just um, reiteration of lines from a uh, Chekhov play uh, called Uncle Vanya. And, and the movie sort of centers around the production of a movie uh, of a uh, play, rather, of uh uncle vanya for this uh theater producer slash former actor who is a uh, widower who is being driven around by a sort of chauffeur it's hard to describe this movie really like how how, how do you like get it get across this movie i don't know but uh this is one of those movies where it was nominated for an oscar and I 100% think that it absolutely deserves to be up here in Best Picture. It is a phenomenal movie with a sort of an emotional, like, 
nuance to it where as I was leaving the theater, I just wanted to sit in some silence. Like normally I leave a movie theater and I'm like, all right, back to the real world. Let me put something on to listen to. Let me hear some opinions on this movie. But I sort of left this movie and I was just like, just like sort of absorbing what had just taken place. And it was this very like, it, this is not a movie I can recommend to just anybody, especially because it sort of demands your full attention for that two and a half hours. Cause it's, there's some sparse English throughout the movie, but not enough that you can get a, get around like looking at the subtitles. And even if you know Japanese, like they, they speak in multiple different languages throughout this movie uh korean korean sign language chinese it's uh yeah there there's actually quite a few parts where it's sign language yeah korean sign language so not even like a, a you know like ASL. if you have as yeah so over it, it's just a it is a movie that is kind of be, a singular experience for me personally and i just thought it was uh like wonderful um do I think it'll win Best Picture? Probably not. It's also nominated for Best Foreign uh, or Best International Film. I think it'll probably win that. And I think it probably deserves to win Best Adapted Screenplay because I watched this movie and I was like, this movie feels, in- feels incredibly well written. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything that I had to criticize the movie on, it's that part of that runtime is a lot of shots of the car driving and a lot of sort of still shots and that that the movie would be more accessible with less of that but i think those moments add to the contem- the contemplative nature of the film so i don't actually hold it against the movie as a whole but it, it is part of what makes the movie kind of like it's a movie you don't just like sit back and watch. It's a movie you pay attention to. Agreed. I would like to comment more on it when I reveal where it sits on my list. Um, so if you are finished, I, yeah. will, I will move on to my number four, number four, licorice pizza. All, All right. right. So my opinion of this, as I said, did improve. It is, you know, uh, I, I think at one point I would have said Belfast was better than this movie, but the more I thought on it, I, something you kind of mentioned and, and something I encapsulated, right, is that um, this movie has a one of its themes that I would identify is uh, how uh, your your age does not make you kind of thing mm-hmm. that, you know, you are not necessarily what is believed to be about you. You are kind of what you do and who yeah. you choose to be. Um, and simply that, I mean, again, the young boy in this uh, story acts. I mean, he basically just acts like a grown man. Yeah. And while it's, it is clear that in many situations, he is still a boy. Like there's, you know, many things where, I mean, he has young boyfriends and he does not boyfriends, but whatever. Um, young male associates, young male associates. Uh, and you, you see that, but he chooses to hold himself in certain ways and, and conduct himself. And that dictates more, you know, the kind of respect that he deserves and what he, what he does get. And in some situations he's denied that, but still tries to act in his own regard for the best way. And then, somewhat what you had referenced as well is that this adult like by age you know doesn't you know almost a lot of the times it feels as if she is trying to act like an adult right 
which there isn't, you know, you, you kind of get the difference between like trying to act like an adult and just being an adult. Like being an adult is just, you just have to handle your responsibilities and do these certain things and in certain ways you would uh, regard with people and whatnot. And, Sheesh. and I just think that interplay is interesting because I've long held a belief that, I mean, your age does not really mean anything. I mean, it is a barometer for how a person maybe should have developed and what maturity level they should be at. But I mean, how, I mean, I have met, you know, 21 year olds that were far more mature and, and respectable than 30 year olds, you yeah. know, 35 year olds, 40 year olds, quite simply. I mean, it's really more, I mean, a lot of times it's about what you have been through in your life can really help determine who you end up being and, and who you just are in born. Right. It would, it would appear that she has led a sort of like maybe somewhat to say subjugated, like held in place by her family, but also like because of the sheltering, like, like your family has just supported you and you have, she, she has a, she has a very Jewish family mm -hmm. and they, I'm a, have the sort of insular, uh, seeming culture in a way within, uh, Los Angeles movies take, takes place in Los Angeles, which I think is another way to sort of add like a sort of color and flavor to the movie. And that is putting the Hollywood veneer on things. You actually get to see like movie actors in the film mm -hmm. and stuff or people portraying like caricatures of a film actor at the very least. Yeah. And everything, it, it feels very lived in. It feels real. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, and so I just think, and, and I think there's more to it than what I'm describing right now, but like me recognizing that theme more and that that actually reverberates with something I have believed it made me appreciate it more. Um, and, and you saying that was like a good in, you know, uh, introduction or encapsulation to, to what I had thought about it. Yeah. Honestly, I've gotten further away from the movie, which I think allowed me to put it beneath like King Richard, which I just like watched a lot more recently. And so in my mind, I have the still sort of warm, like happy feeling I had when I left the theater. So maybe if I thought on it, like licorice pizza could even be higher on my list. But again, yeah, you, everything you said is correct and yeah, valid. Excellent. Um, so may I continue to my number three? Your number three. My number three, drive my car. <laughs> so yeah, drive my car, right? I start watching it and write foreign language film. And the beginning is kind of just this like, you know, it's this monologue by, um, you know, who becomes the widow in the movie. Not a spoiler, but it happens within it happens. It happens within 20 minutes. It happens before the credits. <laughs> it happens before the beginning credits. It's part of the prologue, you would say. Yeah. Uh, so, but um, this movie is hard for me to, in some ways, like define why I like it so much. But it it was, it's a movie where you, as Ryan said, you must pay attention. But at a certain point, I became more like transfixed. Like I did not want to divert my attention. Uh, and, and it's, it's not like there's anything grandiose about this movie. And this movie also is not trying to be too deep. It's almost just kind of has like a deep sort of undertone. If, if you, yeah, understand what I'm I saying. get what you mean. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard to describe. I'm trying to do my best here, but by the end of the movie, I was very much like, you know, I can't understand everything that I just saw, uh, or, or what the significance of all of it was, but there was just a feeling. And if some of the things communicated that, that is just, that was just surprisingly uh, compelling. Yeah, the, it's a powerful movie. It, it is. Um, and, and and it is a slow burn for sure, too. Like, for a little while, you're kind of like, what is going on? 
And once you start to like, it, it starts to kind of give you a little bit of satisfaction to some of the things that it's been leading up to. And that's yeah. kind of what keeps it like, if, if there weren't like small payoffs leading towards the, uh, you know, like the third act, uh, then it, then it might've been not as good. I might've been, it might've been, this was too slow, but there are small, like, okay, now I see what the significance of some of this information earlier was. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, it's hard to totally, um, articulate what was so good about this movie, but it really like the feeling I was left with after the movie was like, wow, this, this is a uh, better than quite a few other movies. You know, like I don't have any, there are no criticisms of the movie really even even those longer shots and those things like in a movie where i at this point i've i've accepted that that's what i'm here for all seem in place so i was prepared this movie was number three on my list and i was prepared to be happy with it at my number three until i re-watched a certain movie it's the only movie i rewatched. uh can i go into my number three yeah my number three the only one of these movies i've seen twice uh, power of the dog and m- might i say that that is a movie that at least for me deeply rewarded me for rewatching it because there is a there is a underlying thing going on in the movie that happens at the end that you sort of don't notice the finer details of the first time around but the second time around it's very clear that there is an intention behind the act that occurs at the end of the movie and the way that it all leads up to, to this point is just so I'm, I'm so happy I got to watch this movie in a theater. The movie came on Netflix. The first time I watched it was on a phone (laughs) which is the worst possible way to watch a movie. And I still finished it. I was like, that movie was excellent. And I was prepared to put it as my number four, or it it may have been even my number five movie that I watched it on a phone and still found it that good. But then when I got to watch it in a theater, the sort of soundscape of the movie, it like has a sort of pressing thing. The, way that Benedict Cumberbatch's character just has his like menacing presence, like throughout the majority of the movie, basically until he is softened by something that occurs or a relationship that builds the way that Kirsten Dunst gets across this sort of like dread and terror that's like builds on her and sort of weighs on her. Like, I don't think she will win best supporting actress, but she does a really good job in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesse Plemons doing what he does best and he's just jesse plebbins yeah he, he that's kind of what i thought too i'm like yeah he's just doing a good job at being the guy he is usually like like he's he's either that guy and menacing or that guy and really lovable and in this movie he's really lovable yeah um and uh, i want to comment on benedict cumberbatch yeah his presence in this like i mean uh, benedict cumberbatch it's not like it was some kind of surprise that he was a good actor but like his range this it, is the best american accent he's ever given yeah and it's just uh like the more he does different kinds of movies you just see that he is a very well-rounded actor and can really just fit into like in this one he is a he's kind of a rough uh like cowboy yeah like a real like down home country cowboy like and and everything about that and you're like yeah benedict cumberbatch as that I, i don't see that right but even like no totally believable like this guy seems like he's with the shit yeah like you 
and that is kind of like a wild thing that little Benedict Cumberbatch is like this rough, gritty, like, oh, don't mess with this guy sort of cowboy. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes, Doctor Strange uh, actor, right? Yeah. Like, which are two roles where I'm like, okay, those aren't stretches, right? But yeah, and then you're like, yeah, now he's a freaking, he's a dude ranch, uh, like absolute boss. But yeah, and then uh, Cody Smith McVie, who plays Peter, the young boy, the effeminate little boy that uh, he likes to make fun of early on in the movie and antagonizes the mother of. Uh, he does a really good job. He's nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I think he has a good shot of winning. I don't want him to win because of a movie we have not gotten to yet. And uh, at this time, I would like to address that we have the same number two and number one. The question I'll is if they are in the same spots. Yeah, I guess I guess we do. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> I think they are in the same spot. I, I will I will guess here. I want to say that they are, but the, I want to preface that much like when I made my list last year, my number two and my number one are kind of interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they both affect their they both take very different approaches at being the movies that they are, but. I just think they both succeed so well. I I agree. Let's just, I mean, if you're done with yeah. number three, then let's just find out if they are the same. Number two, what is your number two? My number two, and the reason that this one's my number two under the other one is that I think the other one took a lot more film language and like it, I think number one is like, has a greater production about it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which kind of gives away what my number one yeah, is. Let's, what is your number two? My number two is Coda. Okay, yeah. All right, so we have the same two and one, so we'll just talk about them in order So together. your two is also Coda? It is also Coda. Coda, standing for child of deaf adult. This this was really kind of like the um, uh, the sort of, I, I, I think the Black Dog, or they sort of like, the movie I did not see coming, like kind of like The Father last year. Where I saw, like, this is a movie I'd heard good things about, and I went into it very unassuming. Like, this is probably going to be like, like, I get why it's nominated for Best Picture because it like tackles like a interesting story, but it's probably it's probably not as good as it. it I assumed that this was going to be one of the movies where I was like, oh yeah, it's a good movie. I don't know if it's Best Picture, but God, is this movie? probably gonna win best picture that dude it is surprising how good this movie is sometimes i'm really like it's it's funny that last year i had the same exact feeling where i was like multiple movies that are um oscar nominees i was like yeah i wouldn't have even chosen to watch that movie i would not even have given it a time of day i wouldn't even considered it i would not have watched drive my car i would not have watched coda i would not have watched um what else here was here I guess, well, I guess those were like two that I just would not have sought out or watched. And they are ended up being like some of the best movies truly of the year. And, and I'm glad that we have the practice of doing this podcast. So I had the reason to go watch it because yeah, it's just like, okay. So I also want to say that a, a simple binary, though this isn't, you know, really all encompassing necessarily for Oscar movies is things that are like kind of purposefully deep. You know, like Nightmare Alley and Dune, like they're trying to be like sort of big and like deep and stuff. But like their stories almost like in the intention of trying to be deep, like their stories aren't always necessarily really tight. 
Power of the Dog is a deep movie, but also has a tight story, right? Yeah. Um, and then there's kind of movies where I'm like, it's not like intentionally deep, but like is deep because the story is sort of tight, which Drive My Car and Coda really fall into those sort of category. Licorice Pizza, those all fall into those categories for me. I, another thing about uh, that I would compare Drive My Car and uh, Coda to is that where they don't necessarily have like any like singular performances. I actually do think uh, Drive My Car, uh, the main actor, gives a performance that could have been nominated for awards and probably only didn't because it's a foreign language movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and Coda does have a nomination. The father is nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I think he 100% deserves to win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's but so, like the but what I was going to say is that they, both of these movies have these un, un, ensemble casts that make the movie feel so real, so lived in. Like the acting performances in these movies aren't necessarily like over the top, like, oh, yeah, give give everybody an Oscar. But they all work together so well. There's this natural chemistry that this the the central family in Coda feels like a real family. It feels so genuine. And it's and it's a snip snapshot of a deaf life that most of us probably have not lived or experienced. Yeah. So it, the ability to communicate so much, uh, so much just in general, in a movie where, uh, if not half, potentially more of it is sign language. Yeah. Which has subtitles, so you can see what they're. But. If you weren't watching this, like, like sometimes I'm not even focused on the subtitles. I'm looking at them and the sort of emotion and the range and the use of their hands and like what is being like, it's almost like it, I would say I'm like learning sign language a little bit because <laughs> I'm seeing them do these motions and the motions in some ways are do like uh, somatically communicate what they are feeling and, and uh, trying to get across. And, and, uh, Another uh, like prominent comment, right? Is so okay compared to King Richard, which is also like a not trying to be super deep movie, but just like tight story. Um, and I connect with this movie so much more emotionally. Like I I experienced it, and and this is where you know, like you said in King Richard, like it made you like smile at the end. Like this movie made me like feel in myself like real like like understand the feelings and, th and so much going on and like have a, a mixed amount of feelings like a, a a changing of feelings as i watched it and i don't want to be reductive and be like oh because i'm not black i couldn't connect with those black actors. like i you know i have just as much ability to empathize with people uh you know as anybody but there's something about like this there's kind of movie a, there's a scene in this movie that puts you in the position of the deaf characters yes oh my in, god it's such a crazy Sort of like in the moment, like because of the context of the scene, when you get there and when it happens, it's it's just like you're left in this the silence of what it is to live a deaf person's life at a moment that is so important that just makes you feel like, oh, this is this is this is the aspect that I've been missing this is like, like, like you said, with King Richard, you have a distance because you're not like, you're not black. You're not like a tennis somewhat, star or yeah. even tennis oriented. Yeah. So like there, there, there is the potential of the disconnect that they, that they can never really cross over for you. Whereas in this movie, it, it gives you that little taste of the experience that just makes you realize, oh, this is, 
Like, this is wild. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm not deaf. I cannot know what it's like to be deaf, but this movie does a good job of giving everybody in the audience a visceral moment to understand what it's like to be deaf. And one of the things that's interesting about this movie is how much the how much this movie revolves around music, mm-hmm. a thing that in a way like deaf people can't really they, they can't experience it in the same way that a person with hearing can because it is a primarily auditory thing. But we see examples throughout the movie where the deaf people do have an interaction with music and how that compares to the child of a deaf adult who's not who can hear the main character of the mm-hmm. movie has this entirely different relationship to music that like her parents and her brother like just cannot understand but they come to a understanding through a different means in the movie yeah. and it's really it's just something special and I want to say is that this movie obviously focuses on the hearing child, but it is child of deaf adult. And the, the, the brother who is also deaf has his own role. That is clear. Like this movie is not like it is based on her and, and sort of brawls around her, but like this clearly also comments on him yeah. as well. He is also child of deaf adult, but, but deaf and this interaction between how he is deaf, but she is not. And, and what, that, how he that is makes a, him feel. Yeah, and, and he is the deaf older brother, which naturally should be like have the more responsibility than the younger sister. And he feels some sort of way about that. And it kind of it like is apparent on his face throughout the movie. And like when you finally get when it finally gets tackled and dealt with, like it, it, it never feels like a like bitter, like sort of hate kind of like jealousy sort of thing. It just feels like a like this power dynamic that again, I cannot relate to yeah um and so it's it's astounding that this movie could be so good especially what you were saying that they use that this movie is about music and uh deaf people like like it feels like it feels like a thing that those those two things don't go together they don't mix together but the they really do it's just yeah so powerful so this movie is fantastic i mean at four if it's in one of the binaries of of story that ends up being deep uh, this is the best story that ends up being deep and in some ways uh, beats out the other the, the movies that are just that are deep with stories as a vehicle for that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just so good. But yeah. On to our first uh, West Side Story. I'm so happy to hear you put this as your number one. It's 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 undeniable, you know, like I. Uh, all these movies are so good, but like this is I'm watching this movie. I'm just like, yeah, Steven Spielberg, like uh, this. This was I mean, even some of the commercials, the thing that you're seeing depicted. But like once this is all put together, I'm like, this is so amazingly directed, uh, produced like every I, I can't even point out all the things about this movie that are just like basically flawless. in directing. Yeah. And I'm I I. I I think I believe I told this sort of story when I made my top 10 movies of the year list where West Side Story was my number two movie, only beaten by a movie that got zero Oscar nominations. In fact, got a Golden Razzie nomination because fuck those awards. They said Ben Affleck was a bad supporting actor in The Last Duel. Wow. Yeah, dude, that's oh man. What a The, the Last Duel did come out last year, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The fact that The Last Duel was not nominated for an Oscar Beck's picture is it was it's not even like in the conversation for the awards and that's like it's, i 
That's I, an absolute tragedy. I, I, I'm disappointed because could Ridley Scott's other Gucci movie got a little more attention, but mostly like in terms of costuming and stuff, it didn't even get acting nominations, but I think that movie sort of overshadowed it and nobody went to see the last duel. And honestly, not a lot of people went to see West side story. And I, again, I think I told the story in the top 10 list where I walked out of that movie. And the first thing I did is try to get you to see this movie Mm -hmm. and try to get my best friend Salem to see this movie and to try and get you guys to see it in theaters. And I thought that chance had been missed because you guys just didn't go to see it while it was in theaters and it did badly at the box office. So it didn't stay there very long. Yeah. Which is, I mean, unfortunate now that I actually did see it, it's, and I, I've no, I don't, I've never seen West Side Story the play. I did not know I, West yeah. Side Story what the what the story of that is. Same so this here. is all fresh. Um, though the thing is, uh, I I can see how there are a lot of things about West Side Story that are just iconic in culture now. Like the uh, is I feel I'm, pretty. I feel pretty. Yeah, I'm like I've heard that song around. Then it's from the movie. Yeah, <laughs> and certain other things as well. Like I think I, I think there's other things that are like cultural references that I am aware of that when I watched the movie, I was like, Oh, this play is where those things come from. Okay. Got it. Cool. Um, like Maria, like, I think that is even a reference, like referring to Maria, uh, as like some kind of, you know, thing. Yeah. And and it tells the Romeo and Juliet story. So it's even older than that. But the way that Spielberg puts this thing to screen is just so incredible. Like the aesthetic of the movie, uh, from the very beginning shots, like you, you just see the sort of the, uh, the, do they have names for the, the jets and the sharks, right? Yeah. The jets and yeah. the sharks. So yeah, the jets come like walking around, like the way we see this, uh, like this city, like depicted has this sort of like rundown, like feel lighting. Like, yeah. I just want to say lighting. That was another, <laughs> another random. I'm like, like what is the thing, you know, like that nobody ever even considers or talks about in movies, but I'm like, the lighting in this is fantastic. Like, <laughs> One thing I've heard this movie get criticized for is the fact that there are no subtitles when the Spanish characters speak in Spanish. Okay, I I also heard that from uh from somebody that watched it with me, and I was kind of like, yeah, but in some ways I don't think it's necessary. I mean, yeah, like, it gets you you understand the like like they like they're good actors, so they're getting the points across when they speak in Spanish. Yeah, quite simply. Now I do to say I can understand if a person needs subtitles to understand, they want to understand words specifically, but one, like if you, I mean, I, I okay. Maybe I just have a, a very basic somewhat understanding of Spanish. So if I hear certain words, like I can put the sentence together a little bit and make context clues and interpretations. Yeah. And, but yeah, the emotion and like, really, I mean, just use the context, like what is on their face? Like, what do you think that they're saying? What does it seem like it's being communicated in, in these moments? So I don't think it's totally necessary that subtitles are there, but I, I get that criticism. I just don't think that's a criticism of the movie. That's just more like, you know, your ability to interpret it. Yeah. That's like saying, uh, well, I don't have a good example for that. But yeah, this is just such a well-directed movie. And here's the thing is that without having seen this play, and and somebody correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, if you have seen the play and this is not true, I feel like this is the most like perfect reverent way to depict a play in a movie format while honoring that it is a theater play, but also making it entertaining as a movie. Because I think there are other, um, like Cats, right? Yeah. Cats was a, this is a play, a famous play that we're making into a movie. And, uh, you know, I think that does a pretty good job too. Um, no, but, one, no one thinks that movie did a good job except for me. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I was just trying to be nice about it basically. <laughs> but like, 
in the same way where it's like translate a play into a movie without losing what's special about a play, but keeping what's special about movies. Yeah. This is, is that statement right there. This keeps what's special about a play and what's special about a movie and blends them so perfectly. It's, it's just, uh, it is, uh, it's a marvel. Yeah. And yeah, can't really speak enough about this. That is, uh, I mean, if Coda doesn't win it for being, uh, the, like just the best sort of like, well-told story like West Side Story should just win it because it's the best directed movies I've seen in a long yeah. time. You cannot. It is just such a full, like wonderfully directed production. Uh, so this movie, uh, I believe the only notable acting nomination it got was for Ariana DeBose uh, for best supporting actress. Uh, let me try to remember the character's name as Anita, who is uh, the, uh, the uh, the wife of the ma- of Bernardo. Maria's brother, yeah, 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 who is the leader of the sharks, yeah, and I thought that she just gave this glowing performance, like she just had this like sort of like radiance to her in this film mm-hmm. that just sort of glows, basically, and, and I think it does such a good job because of if you know the story of West Side Story, the way that that light is sort of put out yeah. with the tragedy of this film yep. is just so uh, it, it's made all the more heartbreaking by seeing how we get from what is such a joyous movie in its like first half mm-hmm. to the tragedy of reality again and that's i'm talking about lighting like lighting is lighting and color and costuming is so like well used here like to to delineate the separation of these people and like what the general mood is and, and how like this movie starts with such hope and it, the movie ends in like basically darkness. Like there it's literally like at night, but I mean, it's also the context of like what is going on in, in the story. And I don't know what, what this is depicted at on the stage, but like, I don't know if they use lighting the same way, but like, I mean, I, I recently watched it, listened to a video cause I've never seen the original West side story movie adaptation. Uh, but I watched a video that sort of detailed how the two movies are different. And then this one takes a much more of a realism interpretation, whereas the movie from the 60s sets it a little more like uh, like ethereal, dreamlike to make it the heightened reality that it is sort of like a production, a play mm-hmm. sort of deal. Whereas like in, in this movie, when Maria and Tony meet for the first time, they go behind a bleacher to be alone. In the other movie time sort of pauses around them for them to interact. See, and if you'll note, uh, cause I was kind of looking in the background on the other side of the bleachers in the movie when they meet. And um, you can see that everybody's moving much more slowly in the background. But as I'm like, I was kind of like paying attention a little bit. I'm like, I, is it that I think they're slow dancing now? I think, I think things have slowed down, but when you come back out and look at um, uh, what it, it looks as if, no, they were not slow dancing. Everybody was actually, but like the movements don't look like, like, yeah. you know, slowed in some uh unreal way it just looks as if they are dancing slowly in the background yeah. which which sort of like fits in maybe in what was depicted in the 60s one which is that time they, they made it like clearly like time slowed down in an artificial way but in the background of of this movie it's done in a yeah like you said realistic way yeah and i think it's, it's it would be better that way i mean like it's it plays I mean, more into yeah how me this personally movie this movie services my desires for this musical more than i think the original would have and the original one has a lot of other problems namely that the largely puerto rican character 
of the sharks are mostly played by a bunch of white people. Are they? Yeah. They're white people with uh, brown makeup. Oh. Even like the one uh, character who is played by like, like the one notable character that was played by a Spanish speaking person. Also the Anita character played by Rita Moreno, who is in the new movie as the uh, shop owner. Mm. So she was the original Anita. But if you notice that she is a lighter skin, she also had to wear brown makeup in the original production. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But uh, so this movie uh, back in the day won Best Picture and she won uh, uh, acting uh, award for Best Supporting Actress for this character. So I could see this movie again winning Best Picture again for this story. And I 100% feel like uh, Ariana DeBose will win Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, I wouldn't be unhappy with either of those. I mean, I think in some ways... I don't think... I probably don't think it will win Best Picture. And and at the end of the day, like, Steven Spielberg, phenomenal director. He's gotten his acclaim. I don't think he needs it. That's kind of what I'm thinking, too. I'm like, honestly... He this doesn't mo- need to win. This movie doesn't need it, and Spielberg doesn't need it. Yeah. But they does he deserve it, and does this movie deserve it? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is that is our top 10 list, our picks. Um, okay, quickly, okay, so I think we already kind of said like what we think actually has a real chance of winning. It, it's between Coda and Power of the Dog, in my in my mind. Uh, I've, I'm on the Coda train now. Mostly due to outside things, but also because I think it, I think it as a film accomplishes something so wholly unique. Whereas the other, like the other movies that I thought were really good that could get it, either are like West Side Story and that story's been told before, or Power of the Dog, where I've heard people criticize that we've had this similar story told before, which I don't really agree with. Uh, I've not seen. Uh, the movie that this that Power of the Dog gets compared to a lot, and I don't really want to name that movie in case you haven't seen Power of the Dog because there's an aspect of this movie that I was not aware of going into it. But uh, I I think Coda is this sort of wholly unique sort of experience, and if it won Best Picture, I think that would be delightful. I would be very happy about that. But I could I think Power of the Dog has its shot and. Honestly, a number of these films could win Best Picture, but if it's not one of the top four that I named, then I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah, that would be ridiculous. I'm pretty much on board with what you said here as far as my actual thoughts on what would win. Um, but let's, hey, let's run through some so, of the other nominations really quickly. So Best Director, we have Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, Paul Thomas Anderson, Licorice Pizza, Jane Campion, Power of the Dog, and Steven Spielberg, West Side Story. I want to say it's Jane Campion's award to lose, really, because I've heard she's won a lot of the awards for Best Director already. And I just think of these films, like it's between that and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story for the best crafting of a film, like the best direction. Uh, And maybe there's something to be said that it's easier to make a musical look well-directed while it being more of a tribute to the choreographers. Whereas mm-hmm. I think power of the dog has a lot more reliance on her own direction. Yeah. I think uh, what you said is accurate. West side story is just 
easily visibly a very well directed put together movie um and i think it's e- it's easier to do that also it's west side story which already was directed you know, you have groundwork for this yeah Star of the dog doesn't i mean might, there might be references or i mean another movie to compare it to like but this other is westerns its own, yeah. have the film language to them that she adapts but she does it really well being a person that's not american shooting the movie not in america with a lead actor who's not american yeah so i think that's uh that all gives me more credit to say that like actual directing prowess here what's displayed better is yeah i'll go with power of the dog but i i wouldn't be mad like uh with uh rusuke hamaguchi for driving my car i also agree with that yeah yeah uh, best actor, so Javier Bardem being the Ricardos, I have not seen it. Benedict Cumberbatch, The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield, Tick Tick Boom, Will Smith, King Richard, Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Of those, I would probably it's kind of hard, but I I think maybe Benedict Cumberbatch, maybe Andrew Garfield. I think Andrew Garfield just has like the sort of buzz since uh, Spider Man. And people want to see him win an award. And I have seen Tick Tick Boom and he's good in it. It's I, it, it's hard for me to really recommend that movie because it's it's very it feels very inside baseball of musical theater in a way that isn't something I could easily recommend to just anybody. Yeah, um, I haven't seen all the movies mentioned there, but I think I've seen most of them though. You know, if I had to throw one out, it's I, I'm pretty much in line with what you're saying. So yeah, I don't have too much comment just because I can't compare to everything. So best actress, I've actually seen none of these movies. Jessica Chastain for Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Colman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz, Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos, Kristen Stewart, Spencer. I guess we can just skip this. I saw a few minutes of being the Ricardos, so like, but I mean, uh, I don't think Nicole Kidman's going to (laughs) win. Yeah, without without having even any reference to any of those movies, there's nothing to really say. Like, yeah, an outside thing. I want Kristen Stewart to win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. I ha- I can't accurately say whether or not she deserves it, but I if Kristen Stewart won an Oscar, that would be cool. Uh, best supporting actor, uh, Claron Hines, Belfast as Pop. I probably butchered that name, uh, but that's the grandfather. I didn't realize yeah. he was nominated. I think he's really good in it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Troy Kotzer in Coda as the father. Uh, Jesse Plemons, Power of the Dog. J.K. Simmons for being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith McPhee for Power of the Dog. I want it to be uh, Troy Coetzer from yeah. uh, Coda. I want it to be him. Yeah. Uh, Best Supporting Actress, uh, Jesse Buckley, The Lost Daughter, or Ariana DeBose, West Side Story, Judy Dench, Belfast, Kirsten Dunst, Power of the Dog, and Anjanu Ellis, King Richard. Again, I have not seen The Lost Daughter, but all the rest, all the movies that I've seen, I think any of them could win, but I think it's Ariana DeBose's year. Yes. Yeah. Give it to her. Best Original Screenplay. Uh, Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, The Worst Person in the World. Which of these movies has the best writing? Um, probably Licorice Pizza. I might maybe Belfast agree with that. Mm, I again, I'm gonna give it to I. I will give it to Licorice Pizza here, even though I like Belfast. I don't know that the writing. Well, I, honestly, uh, neither of them feel like great writing movies. This, yeah, that's this what is, I'm thinking actually. I guess because uh, they're the only. Uh, I, guess I haven't. The, the I have not seen the worst person in the world, so maybe that one's one that I should have seen. Yeah, well, we're gonna make our judgments based on what we have seen. I guess. Yeah. So, so this, if it's between them, it's a toss up. Yeah, I don't be- have a strong opinion. Best either. adapted screenplay: Coda, Drive My Car, 
Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog, I think it's Drive My Car. I think oh, drive oh my yeah. Car. That was, yeah, undoubted. Yeah. Incredible. That writing is, is stellar. Yeah. Uh, best animated feature film, Encanto, Flea, Luca, The Mitchells versus the Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. You're the only one that has any opinion here. I only saw two of those movies. Yeah. Of the two <laughs> movies you saw, which were Encanto. Encanto. Between Encanto and Raya. And Raya, I mean, and Kanto, yeah. Of the movies I saw, I want it to be Luca, but again, just giving it to Pixar feels played out. So I'd be happy with the Mitchells versus the Machines winning. I'd be happy with Encanto winning. Ryan the Last Dragon will not win this award. Like, I enjoyed it, but it is easily the weakest. I've not seen Flea, so yeah. Uh, It is a foreign language film. Let's see, let's see. Is there anything else I can hit at uh oh best original song be alive from king richard uh dos origitas from encanto uh down to joy from belfast no time to die from no time to die and somehow you do from four good days um i've only seen three of these movies and the only song that stands out is dos origitas because it's encanto yeah, I uh, I guess I I've, I actually actually seen all those movies, and I guess I heard all those songs. But you're right; there's only one song where I'm like, "Wow, that was a good song." Yeah, <laughs> none of those other ones are uh, stand out or made me think what this is a great song I'm listening to. So yeah, so and then there's other there's there's a lots of these sort of technical awards, best production is. I think throughout the list we sort of named like Dune's going to win best cinematography, and uh, like the best sound is probably going to go to. Power of the Dog, maybe West Side Story, uh, all sorts of stuff. But yeah, so thank you for listening to us talk about the Oscars. The as, as awards, are they that important? No, not really. But they sort of have this sort of cultural sachet mm-hmm. that you're you're able to get a sense of what movies had some impact by what gets nominated. And even we can admit that some of these movies didn't really deserve to get nominated probably only got nominated because they have really impressive casts or the director is notable. Yeah. Which uh, the fact that last tool was not nominated, but don't look up is, is, is a clear, just like the Oscars do not like they, they lose credit. Like it was easy to actually pick all the other ones, but the fact that you pick this one over this one is just you, that is a flaw. Yeah. Like if you did not see how good that that last, I think was, house of Gucci could have gotten best picture before don't look up yeah. personally uh, you walked out of house of gucci so you, i did i yeah. don't have a great opinion of it necessarily I, but it's but not, I'm not i don't I'm not think just... it's a good movie but i'm saying i think it's better than don't look up yeah exactly i'm like don't look up is not an oscar nom like the fact that it's in there i'm like this is just not gonna win and and i even asked you and that is the only real explanation is that well it gets freaking leonardo DiCaprio and uh meryl streep and you know uh, other names jennifer lawrence yeah all of yeah them. all of them to the oscars i guess but it's what what a absolute waste that you just made a basically a political move to get more prominent actors as opposed to actually giving movies and uh, just one more movie that deserved to be nominated or uh, they don't even need to fill it out they could have just made it nine movies yeah precisely exactly um so that's just that loses honestly that that whole thing right there just loses respect in my that the fact that nobody recognized how good last jewel was last year and it's not going to be just recognized even with a nomination is but but don't look up is is just stupid so yeah. but um i mean still though the fact 
that Oscar voters don't see every movie and neither does do most people. So of the movies that were talked about, these these are our opinions. Some of them are better than others. I think, you know, here, uh, if, if it wasn't just a get actors in the building, don't look up is like so absurdly controversial in some ways that I think it just get it got more buzz probably. And, and you know what? There are plenty of people who like I think your initial take on the movie was positive that you like the movie. I mean, I still thought it was entertaining and good, but yeah. it does. It shouldn't be in a list of, of Oscar nominees. If Last Duel isn't if uh, like it, it just doesn't even like Spider-Man. Yes, exactly. Spider-Man. Like what what a great movie yeah. that and people are upset and they had to add an extra like a uh, fan favorite award because like the disconnect is just so yeah. real. Yeah, because the Oscars the the people that vote for the Oscars still somehow don't regard the highest grossing movies in the freaking world as as worthy of being uh, awarded for Oscars because somehow if it's about superheroes, it can't have uh, a, a a great story and actually be worth, you know, uh, unless the Joker is in it. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, unless it's like only kind of about like, unless the superhero aspects really played down. Yeah. We can give an award to the Joker. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the basically, yeah. Oscars, not the biggest, best barometer of really anything. However, uh, the fact that going through and, ha- and watching all the Oscar nominees got got me to watch two movies I would not have, which ended up actually being fantastic movies. Yeah, is you know it's it's good that that still exists. But uh, Oscars though, actually, fuck you for not being better. Like, yeah, do better. Yeah, we do not want to glorify this sort of like played out like award show. And, and look, if they come up with winners that don't sort of like fall into our opinions. Like, like if, if God forbid, if don't look up one best picture, I, 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 I think I, think, I, would, I would refuse to, uh, well, it's not I like wouldn't I, even do this list anymore. I would yeah. stop caring about this. I would say the I Oscars find, is, is an absolute fucking joke. Like, I would find a new list of films to watch every year. Yeah, We'll do golden globes or some shit like that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cause that would just be, um, an actual joke, but, and not a funny one. Yeah. Um, so, but, uh, I mean, yeah, that's everything I think we have to say, uh, so, um, yeah, go check those movies out yeah, uh, if we'll you see. can. We're recording this on Oscar Sunday. We're going to try to put it out same day. Uh, check out our top five. Not yeah. You don't have to watch the bottom five. Uh, our, two, our two top fives have a different movie in them each. Yeah. Uh, where So, because you ranked King Richard lower. So, I, I could see maybe it not having the same impact on everybody. But mm-hmm. I think it's a heartwarming sports movie. So, if you like sports movies, it, it's what you are going to expect, I think. Again, yeah. I don't... I. Our both our top fives are legitimate to watch. So yeah, all right. Um, but yeah, until next time, folks. This has been Robert and Ryan. Have a good one.